All right, I think we're recording, and uh, let's jump into it. Um, maybe just to kick off, uh, the sort of genesis of this is uh, I had mentioned in my newsletter at some point, I think it was in when I was like first starting it, that the reason why I was writing brainstorms was because uh, it was just sort of me and my friends BSing about ideas all the time. Um, and part of the fun of it was finding out which ideas were good, which ones were bad, and uh, you know polishing those ideas up a little bit. So what I want to do is take it back, uh, sort of like regress, and just go back to these sort of like BS sessions and just record them. Because um, I think we have good ideas, Wes has good ideas, um, and just see what comes of it, right? So these are going to be a little bit more half-baked than what are in the actual newsletter, but um, some real nuggets can come out of this, and I figured might as well capture it and share it with everybody. Cool. Um, why the, so just out of curiosity, why the podcast though? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. I don't know. I think that some people prefer audio over just written. I know that for me, like if I'm in the car or something and I just need something to listen to, uh, it's just easier, right? I don't have time to read a whole thing. Um, and I think that you get a different vibe, like from just talking about ideas, uh, than you do from the more formal, like written word. So, yeah, I mean, it it feels a bit more warm, like newsletters sometimes feel a little bit more cold. So um, I think having a different kind of like warmer format is always a good thing, though, too. So I think it does good things for your brand, too. I think that like for me, I do boot camps and stuff, um, and that's mostly driven by like me talking and like not necessarily my personality, um, but things that I don't cover in the newsletter and you wouldn't know that right by just reading uh what i talk about because it's not about me in the newsletter it's more about uh the ideas and i want to keep this about the ideas but i think that we both have interesting um i don't know like analysis to give so uh anyway what i want to do first and foremost is uh introduce wes uh this i think this is going to be uh like you're going to be a recurring guest so um it's important that everybody knows you so special i know (laughs) uh you'll be the, the friend of the podcast uh, so Wes is one of my like oldest friends. Um, we went through uh, Startup Accelerator in 2016, but even before that, we like lived together in college. And in college, he's one of the yeah. yeah, he's one of the main people that I would do sort of these like brainstorm sessions with. And like we talk almost daily, um, just about like mm-hmm. business stuff in general. Um, but um, I want you to sort of like tee yourself up. Uh, he's a super dude, and he's gonna have a lot of really interesting ideas. Uh, but I know that that intro probably didn't do you justice. It, and in any intro that you'll ever give me will never do me enough justice, but uh, I'll give it a whirl. Um, yeah, so like Kevin said, back from college, we kind of met, and I guess he, he was kind of the, the catalyst as to where I've kind of gotten today was, uh, oh, we met in maybe 2012, 2013, 2011, some, somewhere around in there, um, and I ended up through my years at college, I switched my major four times. Um, and after the fourth or fifth time, Kevin was like, maybe you should try business things. And so, right. um, he kind of like opened my eyes up to into more of like startups and entrepreneurship. And then it's been a doozy, um, doozy thereafter. And we've eaten, this might sound a little graphic, but Kevin and I have eaten a lot of shit together. Yep. Um, we've done a lot of different ventures and gone through a lot of heartache and a lot of trouble. But along with those, I think we've ridden some really high highs together too Mm -hmm. um but yeah like kevin said i think uh we're kind of each other's 
like behind the sea behind the scenes right hand man behind like any any of these things that we kind of want to go out and start or talk about or think through um you know we're chatting constantly about this if it's in slack or hopping on a call or um, we've even taken trips to go hash out some of our more uh fun ideas that we want to work on together um but uh yeah that's a little bit about me so i work uh, i'm a full-time uh designer ui ux designer i work for an insurance company um, so really passionate about product design and startups and, and kind of just how does that mesh in with each other. Um, and Keevan and I have worked on our last newsletter was called Product Byte. So um, <coughs> which we, I, I don't know if we've ever I don't know if you've talked about that in public or anything else like that. And we could save that for another time. But I think it's kind of like the 50 foot overview for me. Um, yeah. Nothing I wouldn't say um, extremely or overtly brag worthy. Um, other than just saying I have failed an extreme amount, which is a blessing and a curse for sure. Right. Um, but went through an accelerator together, those, those sort of things. But um, I'm really thankful, excited to be here, and uh, really excited to see where this goes. I know that um, you and I bullshit a lot, and so actually bringing this out and being able to do it and have a reason to do it feels feels really fun too. No, I agree. I want to keep this sort of going and make it a recurring thing. Um, cool. Okay. So, uh, yeah. And as we go, we're going to keep on giving sort of like tidbits of our background. I think it'll just come out organically. Um, yeah. but I think this is a good foundation. So, uh, with that, uh, let's jump in. Do you want me to do the first one or do you want to pick the first one? I'm open to either. Um, what's the agenda for today? You- yeah. So, uh, basically what we're going to do is we keep this running dock of like ideas and we're just going to sort of like pick out the ones that we want to talk about, um, and do a little like on the spot, deep dive on the ideas, what we like, what we don't like. Um, and you know, we've got a few picked out right now that we're going to sort of run through. Um, and that's going to be the gist of the podcast. It's just going to be like our quick, quick hot takes on, you know, fun ideas that we think could exist or should exist cool um yeah i mean if you want to go ahead and try to tackle that first idea or bring it out let's uh let's let's get into it cool okay yeah first one on my list um so uh i'm a huge fan of sort of the people that i've been meeting and so let me preface it with this i've been meeting a lot of people through twitter and my twitter game is not super strong right now but uh, (laughs) it's something i'm actively working on and uh, really interesting conversations happen there. And it's like the place for entrepreneurs. It feels like the social media for entrepreneurs right now. Um, so I saw this thing put out by, uh, Sean Purry. He also runs the, my first million podcast, huge fan. Uh, go check that out. But he put out this tweet that was super interesting. Um, and it kind of got me thinking. So the context here is he was like, Hey, uh, we're going to sell this. Like I'm going to buy a business from like micro acquire or one of these sort of marketplaces where you can buy like these small niche like that. Yeah, exactly. Like Like SaaS companies. Yep. 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 So it wasn't internet company. It wasn't like a small business or, you know, like a brick and mortar thing. Um, he's like, I'm going to buy this. My plan is to do it for 5k and then I'm going to hire an operator, um, and help them grow it for X period of time. Right. And this was sort of like a social experiment that he was going to do it in public. Um, and I found out later because okay. he talked about it that he actually teamed up with a dude who runs MicroAcquire. His name's Andrew something. Um, and hmm. Andrew was the genesis for this idea. He DM'd Sean and was like, hey, oh. you should do this. So it's kind of a win-win for both of them. Um, Andrew from MicroAcquire gets exposure 
because he's like we can have like a success yeah, ton, story tons and tons of brand awareness i mean especially 100%. since it's so novel i mean other right. places are going to pick that up too that that type of content exactly and like the undercurrent of all of this is like it's all going to be built in public so um now you're going to build a following both for like your personal brand as well as the company's brand um and sean just sort of gets to like hitch his horse to that wagon because he's the one who has the following and is going to like spread the word right so it's a no-brainer ah. for him as well like oh yeah sure. if you're going to help like do this um so anyway sean puts out this tweet that's like hey i'm going to do this thing it starts out as like a 5k sort of like bankroll like this is what we're going to spend and through the course of other people wanting to invest and andrew jumping in and saying like i'll match funds i think it gets up to like 50k oh so um, they raise, so it's not just like hey this is our max limit of 5k they're actually being like let's raise a pool um to right. buy a business is that correct and I'm not sure how the like financing. What's works. the le- Yeah, I was gonna say like, is what's the legality behind that even? Like, yeah, do you have to be accredited or anything. I guess I don't know. I have no idea, and I don't know if they're taking like an equity stake in it or if they're truly doing it for like the sake of like science of like let's just see what happens, um, which or seems silly. Like, right, I, and I don't know. Like, I wouldn't do that personally. Like, I would be like, no, I want a piece of this, but um, I don't know. It, they were they were sort of cryptic when they were talking about it in the sense of. Uh, what the motivation is for other people to join in <laughs> point ironic. being though yeah uh being cryptic uh, and building in public yeah but. it's a it's sort of oxymoron <laughs> um so anyway they're at 50k right so so this is this isn't the idea yet this is what this got me thinking about so okay. huge amounts of traction i think it makes a ton of sense um for everybody involved right they're buying a business that probably has a decent amount of traction um and just needs a uh, sort of like rock star operator to help get it to the next the next uh, level. And this person, mm-hmm. they, I, I just said they need to be a rock star. They probably don't even need to be a rock star. They just need to be motivated because they, as in Sean and Andrew and the other people who are investing in this, Provide, have sort of like, like the coaching and jump exactly. like that. Right. Got it. So to me, this sounds a lot like an accelerator, like a startup accelerator, right? Um, oh, so it's almost, it's like, it's like a, it's almost for the person who's running it of just being like, I don't have to necessarily take the huge right. risk out on my own and I get a mentor out of it. That's kind of dope. Yeah. I mean, in, in so many ways, that makes sense for everybody involved. Um, and mm. the reason why my head immediately went to this is because like, you know, we both went through an accelerator. And I'm pretty deep in that space. Um, but the yeah. biggest problem with uh, a lot of accelerators, um, if you're not YC, tech stars 500 like these household names if you're you know not in like the top 10 you sort of like people that come to your accelerator uh they they don't necessarily have the best ideas or have the most amount of traction because if they did they would just go to uh you know a bigger more reputable uh, accelerator and also these like more local accelerators are typically doing it with some sort of like an economic development play so they're not necessarily shooting for a billion dollar outcome because like sure. it's not realistic um, but what they do want to do is have job creation, right? Jobs, like, right? Exactly. Yeah, jobs. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, if we can like spur up and even get like 10 jobs as an outcome of this, that's a huge win. Um, so they're funded in some cases by the government. Um, and you know, that's how they're structured. So Which, to me, go well, ahead. Uh, I mean, I was just going to jump in there and say, it's, I think that's a really interesting play, like around the job creation. Cause you see these, like those programs other where they're like, Hey, move to our city we'll pay you ten thousand dollars exactly and it's like this is probably a cheaper way of acquiring people for like from the city's 
point of view, it's a cheaper way of uh, of acquiring yep. uh, you know people to live in their city rather than doing like straight up cash to an individual too. Right. I, so so I think that makes so much sense. And like maybe here's the, the I've been a bit long winded here, but here's the short version of why I think this makes sense. So if you look at the accelerator, um, let's say that you were to set this up with an accelerator model. Uh, they are are basically hiring people. They're investing in companies that already have traction, which is the biggest problem with companies who apply is they just don't have the traction yet, right? Um, they might be a cool person in the community, but um, they don't have the idea yet. And they're like, ugh, you know, I you're too early. I don't want to invest in you. So like early stage company like problem isn't a problem, right? Um, so that's number one. The second thing is that as an operator. Uh, so like for me, let's say take me five years ago, 10 years ago, this would be such an, a no brainer for me. Like, a oh, I get a, yeah, I get a company that has traction and I just get to learn. It's like a little MBA school without having to go oh, do absolutely. all the shit. Right. Um, or take out, you know, funding for it or, you know, money out of your own pocket or anything else like that. I mean, exactly. I just need yeah, to be able to follow the advice and execute and be like driven and into all of this, right? It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with if like, I mean, there's a little bit that like the idea needs to still be solid and the company needs to be good. Um, but sure. I think it takes a ton of risk out on the front end. And then do the you, output of that I think is going to be job creation, which is what they want. So that's why I think it makes total sense. Do you think like, and maybe this is, I'm just arbitrarily latching onto that number, but I mean, for normal accelerators that are wanting to go out, and I mean, they usually invest how much money into a company on average, like 20K, 30K maybe? It depends. Low end is like 25K, higher end is like 150K. So it's somewhere in and that you, range. Like, But 50K okay. seems like a pretty average amount. Okay. So for 50K, if they have a cohort of like seven companies, what's the math on that? 350? Yeah. Am I dumb? Nope, 350. Okay. Um, so what I'm wondering is, is from their perspective, is it invest 50 K into seven, um, seven different ideas or invest 350 K into like a well-vetted business to buy, um, to, you know, to bring into that ecosystem. I guess that's kind of what's, what's going through my mind is, um, like is, well, here's the underlying question is 50 K enough to buy a business that has like validated proven traction. I guess that's what's. That's good. I mean, I, I don't want to latch onto the numbers, but I, I think sure, that's, sure. What's, that's what's on my mind. Um, well, I've perused like MicroAcquire and other sites, and it appears that you can get um, like a decent, like uh, uh, a company that has some traction. For Outside 50K. of like e-commerce companies? Outside of e-commerce, you can get like a SaaS business or um, like a content business. Like you can get some of these sites or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, projects. But um, I think it would depend on what sort of like the motivation is of the accelerator. Is it about making a bunch of small bets or do we just want to make one big bet and be like, or bigger bet, right? And buy a 350K business right. and then see if we can scale it. Um, it's, a, it's a bigger bet with less risk rather exactly. than having let or yeah, yeah, you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I even have to believe that like, because the other part of like starting an accelerator is that um, you need to get a, a group of LPs who are just like the people who are going to put the money in and the accelerator usually acts as like just the investment vehicle. They're kind of like the general partner who's like managing the fund. Sure. Um, that model seems different enough that like accelerators are boring now. It's like we've seen them, right? They, there's the same shit over and yeah. over again. This is like, they operate right. all in the cookie cutter way. Like 
even for the sake of just trying something new and being able to generate some excitement from like other LPs who've been burned maybe in the accelerator world or just not interested, this just feels like a or good... Or partnered with a bad accelerator, right? Right, exactly. It's like this is a differentiator that nobody... I don't see anybody doing this. That's um, really interesting, man. So I don't know. I think that uh, it's, it's an idea for people who, you know, maybe have some money to invest and want to like do more of a fund and like raise some money and, and try... Uh, this sort of model um but it makes so much sense to me like if i had more money i would i would say this is the way i would want to do it yeah and i i mean even if you take that out of like the traditional accelerator model i mean you could spin off that concept into a few different ways to do it right like not necessarily the same concept as like a job board but just being like hey i am joe schmo i am going to i've got 350k 500k whatever amount is to invest in a business i don't want to run it but I would like to buy a business, have someone else run it, you know, almost like a matchmaking of doing right. that for just people who have like a ton of excess cash to figure some of that stuff out too. Yep. Um, you know, it becomes like whoever's got all that money, like they're kind of like side project, side hustle, um, which I also think is an exciting thought rather than, you know, them having to do the nights and weekends work for it. Yeah. Like it would be attractive to me as well as just like from any standpoint of it. Like if I was an investor, it feels like I'm hedging a little bit more. Like maybe I'm not going to have a billion dollar outcome with one of these. Um, I don't know. Like they don't seem to be uh, mm-hmm. like unicorn status things. Uh, Cause it's probably going to come down to the executor more than anything else. But uh, sure. it does seem like a good way to just, you know, maybe 10 X my money. Um, if I get like a small, you know, single. Um, yeah. It's different than like the traditional like I'm not just saying like people and I'm sure there's pr- tons of people out there who are just like I've just got 350k sitting around, right. but it's a different way of investing the money rather than just putting it you know shoving it in a mass mutual account or something else like that though too, which I think is yeah. really interesting. I think it's I think it's a bit riskier than maybe it's not, but maybe a bit riskier than the stock market. But I mean you've got way more skin in the game to affect what you're like hopefully what your monetary ROI, like your gain on what that would be. Right. So yeah, there's definitely more upside. Um, the last thing I'll say about this and we can move on is, um, I think this follows, this is more of my, um, um, like opinion here. Uh, I haven't really looked at stats and it could be the byproduct of like where I'm hanging out on the internet and like the content I'm consuming. But lately last like year or two, it feels like, the idea of buying a business has gotten way more popular, but it still hasn't hit like critical mass yet, right? Like I think we can all sure. remember back in like 2010 or maybe even like 2012 when like <laughs> entrepreneurship was like really taking off and like everybody was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. This is when Gary Vee was like really pushing it and it became like, it. yeah, the, the narrative of every 20 something was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do like whatever, you know? This Mm -hmm. to me feels like the early stages of the next wave of like, you don't actually need to start shit. You can just buy shit that works. Um, And likely you're probably taking less risk doing that. Uh, There's a higher probability of success. Um, You just need to have the capital on the front end to just finance it. Um, And this works not just with internet, but with any business. What I think is really interesting about that too, where where you're kind of talking about it's getting to be more attractive of buying a business is like especially right now like let's just say there's not you know the business that you want to buy or whatever for the next couple years well if you are finding a business to buy that's been maybe in operation for five 
seven, maybe even 10 years, but there's some, some opportunity to grow that business. What's really interesting about what you're going to buy is they have been through a pandemic. Like right. they're going to be like a pandemic proof, quote unquote proof, uh, business. So, I mean, you and I have kind of talked a little bit about that of just being like, oh, you buying a business would be super fun. I think that's a really interesting tidbit that I guess is one of my bigger takeaways is, you know, I think we're starting to see like, what are these concepts? Like, even if you take, if you just go look at the businesses that are out there today that are thriving, what are some of those other concepts that's going to be available to buy or purchase or partner with in a couple of years from now? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that it's only going to grow. Um, so anyway, that's that's the that's the first one. Uh, I'd say uh, well, well, the gist of that one was uh, sort of the accelerator model for buying businesses. Um, I think that's really interesting. Super interesting. Yeah, I know. Hey, that's a great thought. I like cool. that a lot. All right, let's keep um, right, let's hey, keep them rolling. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna kick you off your soapbox here. So, um, my so this shouldn't come as a surprise to you as to what I'm gonna talk about because I've talked to you about this for years right. now. Um, I have had the biggest boner for this idea for a long time, um, and there are companies out there doing it, but I was just kind of like, I think it means so much to me just because it's like. I am the dude who needs this extremely badly. Um, so the the general concept is is um, employer paid student loan repayment. So it's kind of like an HR benefit, but for um, yeah, uh, Kevin's smiling over here because he, he's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, so this is something that's like really near and dear to my heart, and it's just, I mean, it is. Uh, it feels like I'm just drinking through a fire hose sometimes, and it's like, right. man, I need some help. So, um, what I think would just be really interesting is if part of if employers are able to help out with that. And there's actually like, I don't know if the right word is like bills or, um, you know, there's legislation. Let me put it that way. There's legislation that currently allow employers to do some sort of match for student. Uh, loan repayment. But I think there's an interesting, I don't know if you want to call it SAS, uh, play around that to where you can automatically like validate your employees mm-hmm. and then automatically, you know, put that payment um, from the employer in, onto the, you know, the employee's account for them. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure how like pricing works, but I mean, like doing like a standard like user by user model i think is probably not a bad way to go about it i think commissions get a little bit weird where you're taking x percentage like paid but um so that's kind of the overall concept yeah and maybe i want to like um ask a clarifying question so would this be similar to how if you work at a company they do like 401k matches so maybe as an alternative right rather than doing a 401k match they'll do a like student loan repayment match, right? For every dollar you put into repaying your student loan, they'll match it either as like a benefit or a substitution or something. Would that be the idea? Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm looking it up right now. I think they can match. They just ended up extending it too, just because I get emails about this stuff. Um, Because I I like to keep tabs on it. It says that, so it's the CARES Act. It just got renewed all the way through 2025. Employers can contribute up to $5,250 tax-free annually to each employee student loans. So, I mean, I mean, five grand a year. I mean, that's a chunk of change. I mean, that's, that's no joke, especially when, you know, 
what the accruing interest and stuff right was. that's just it right it yeah, like for compounds sure. very nicely so like w- i talk about this a little bit in my boot camp and i just want to like mention it like what i love about what you're talking about and sort of the rationale as to why it's a good idea when did that legislation come out do you know um it came out a while ago but it just got passed like end of the year or like very first of the year it, like got renewed let me renewed. put it that got way it. it just got renewed so, yeah so one of the things that, uh, that what makes this relevant is I say like good problems are things that are like mandatory. And that means like there's new legislation or there's laws that have been put in place that now require or enable um, sort of this new mm-hmm. frontier of stuff. Um, sure. And and I've got other ideas that it sort of spawn off of this, but not to, to sort of go on a tangent. I think that this is a really good example of that, right? Where mm-hmm. there's now a new moment in time where something that wasn't able to be done, we can now do it. And now we can start building technology to help make that happen. Uh, because I yeah. think it makes sense, right? On paper, it's like dude, the student loans are crippling. Um, and if you can pay those off quicker, right, it probably makes almost more sense to do that than maybe a 401k yeah. or something else. So For sure. are there companies that are doing this currently? Uh, yeah, there's a few. Um, kind of the bigger one, um, it's called Gratify, G R A the ifi i think that's it it. gratify and they were their own like startup and then within like a year or a year and a half they got bought by a bank um, which i thought was an interesting acquisition i mean i thought that was like pretty interesting of just being like oh this is a clear acquisition strategy of being like if it's proven here once yep it could probably be done again but i know that there is i think there's three or four other companies that, that do this as well and i noticed that another one got also purchased by another bank so I think yeah. the biggest struggle, and like I don't know how this works. I mean, it's it's very partnership driven because you sure. have to partner with the student loan companies to get access to like their system or APIs or whatever that is to go out and do that. Um, but I I think that's kind of like the big takeaway um, yeah. for me is it's just kind of like I'm drinking from a fire hose and I know that I'm not alone. I mean, this is a hot topic. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I'm just looking. There, yeah. Like, I'm Googling it right now to see what exists. Um, sure. I'm not really finding any. I think I've seen them before because, like you said, we talked about this. But here's what I yeah. would do. So, like, maybe if we're just to talk about this in, like, a the context of, like, if you like this idea, what would next steps even look like? Um, so, I think this is a cool cool idea for sure because uh, I think it solves a real problem. And, um, honestly, this is one of those ideas that feels like, you're sort of like the hero of the world, right? If you can eliminate the student <laughs> yeah. debt problem, like yeah. that's pretty dope. Um, I mean, acquiring student or acquiring employees for this is like, that's a no brainer because I mean, right. everyone's like wanting this, right? Yeah. 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 So I guess this is a good place, like, right? Right. So sometimes you either need to take when you're building a company, like a bottoms up approach or top down approach, right? Bottom ups being like the people who are the users who might not be the people paying for it. Um, they love this thing. They tell their employers like, dude, you need to have this thing available. It's so obvious. It's like attractive. Um, and then the employers adopt it because there's such demand from the bottom or you flip it and you go from like, you know, the purse, the purse strings, whoever holds them, um, at the company and then sort of like get their buy-in and then they buy it and then they just sort of onboard all the users. Um, I I don't know companies. Yeah, go ahead. You see companies all the time trying to come up with more creative, like employee perks, right? Or ways to like differentiate and to like win great talent. Yeah. Um, like you always hear about, like when 
you know, Google first started out and they had like slides and pool tables and ping pong tables. And it was kind of like, that's the culture. And like right. that got a lot of people to go and work there is because it like was fun. And obviously like employees were getting a lot of value from it. So I think there's like from the, not only like the employee side, there's a lot of value, but aside from, you know, more on like the corporate side, like retaining that talent is a really yep. interesting aspect That's true too. Um, as well as like um, acquiring talent from yeah. the get go. So I really like the top. I, I think you're right. I think the top down approach where you're using this as a differentiator or almost like a value proposition to getting new employees in makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I would also do, because like I wasn't able to find like, like uh, we'd said that there are probably other platforms that are helping companies like set this kind yeah. of program up. I would look for like whatever the down market opportunity is there. Um, my assumption is that uh, so, so maybe here's something that I, I talk about like about a little bit is like if a company's raised money, they're sort of now on this path of um, they need a billion dollar outcome, which means they're yeah, going to like, be a unicorn. Yeah. They're going to abandon all these other potential opportunities that just don't align with like maximizing their growth or, you know, uh, whatever that, that, that metric is that gets them to a billion dollar. Um, so there might be smaller opportunities that help, uh, like for instance, I don't know if this is true, but this would, could be one is that these companies platforms like cost so much money that, that they're great for big enterprises that have like 500 plus employees, a thousand plus employees, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it becomes unrealistic for a company that has maybe like 50 employees. Right. But for them, sure getting the right talent actually is the most important thing, right? Because they're so small. Significantly, right? Yeah, at that point, they can't be hiring like B-level people. Like they need rock stars because uh, they're mm -hmm. going to be so integral to the success of the company. Um, right. But these other solutions may have priced them out of the market, right? It was like, we can't spend 10 grand a year or 20 grand a year on this thing that just helps facilitate what maybe is a super like simple um, transaction, uh, I don't know if this is true, but to me then it's like, oh, well, let's just niche down and we'll build this for smaller like series A companies or companies that just raise a series A um, mm. because like that, you know, that if they just raise some money, this they is sort of contradictory. A bit to spend. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but there's probably right. some sort of budget that's allocated for retaining yep. and, you know, getting talent. So and finding new new hires and stuff like that. It just that. comes but, down to winning that money over the alternatives, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there's like a sweet spot to where you could service a company, you could make the price point yeah. make sense. Um, and it kind of depends on what you want to build, right? I totally think that this idea could be a, a billion dollar company because it's such a pervasive problem. Um, yeah. And but I got, I got, you know, I got something else I kind of want to tag onto that too. Yeah. So I didn't realize this, and this just comes to, I mean, like understanding student loans is hard for people, like understanding like what are the terms and conditions as to like what all that means. And like one of the bigger overarching topics is like student loan forgiveness, just flat out by like the government, right? Yeah. What I didn't know, so I refinanced, like I had all federal loans at one point, but my interest rates were just like crazy, like 11%, like out, like just mind-boggling high so i refinanced for a lower rate which would like make sense because it's like well, i'm gonna do this because it's gonna save sure. me money what that does is when people refinance their student loans they unqualify themselves for any point for student loan forgiveness because it's not a federal loan anymore because it's not mm -hmm. private money got it so they, what they other package it and yep exactly 
So I think that's another thing to think about is like we hear a lot about student loan forgiveness. Well, there is going to still always be a large set of people out there who are just never going to get their student loans forgiven, just like me. Um, like right. I just don't have that chance to ever have that happen. So one of the other ways that you could go about it is like a like nerd wallet. Like they have all this stuff on student loans and they have like refinance through these 10 companies. So if I was to go out and start this, like that's probably where I would start is start with those companies that right. do refinancing, partner with them, and then go and see like, you know, who are these people that they are refinancing for and kind of go after those companies that way. For I think sure. a partnership strategy is really interesting rather than, um, not rather than, but maybe just a different avenue than trying to go bottoms up or top down. Yeah, that is also interesting. It's like just get the people who – so would it be getting the private companies who are like yeah. taking on the refinanced loans? Um, right. Well, for them, it's a win for them because then they can say like we have an employee – like if you can talk your employer into you know refinancing, mm -hmm. give me your money and like we'll go to bat for you to have like your, your employer help pay. So that's it's also an acquisition strategy for those refinancing companies. I think that's – a really, I mean, a really interesting win-win scenario to grow via partnership route that way. Yeah, dude, I don't know. I like this idea a lot. I think that um, there's so many ways to it's slice. It's just really hard it. to build, right? It is it's a hard really thing to, hard build. to build, right? It's getting yeah. that initial like traction to just sort of like get the flywheel churning. Um, yeah. Not easy, but I do think that there's so many ways to start that like there's different angles um, that you could you could start with just to build what really could be a huge company. Um, that's super interesting to me. So I really like that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Let's move on though. Okay, cool. You, um, you want to talk about? Yeah. I'm sort of looking through the list and trying to, okay. I've talked about this one a little bit. Um, this is a, this is an idea I think is interesting, um, but it's like timing for it right now. I'm questioning. Okay. So um, right now I am a creator and I just produce a newsletter. We're doing a podcast now. Uh, we're sort of, you know, what I'm trying to do is sort of build out all of these different channels, um, to attract people. I've heard this for a while and, um, I've just read articles on this, but, uh, it seems like like SMS and, um, like WhatsApp and, and, and these SMS other like texting, texting. Yep. Um, okay. are sort of like. I don't know if you'd call them like the final frontier, but it's like an unexplored place that marketers are trying to play in. Um, and for good reason, right? They've got like stupid open rates, like 98% of texts get read, right? What? Um, I yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So like if you send texts, I mean, think about it. Do you have any unread texts in your phone right now? So sometimes I get, I get like weird texts from emails. So, but I still, I mean, when I think about it, I still open them just because I'm like, this is super weird what's going on, but I immediately delete them. But I guess like, right. hey, it got my attention. I looked at it, but. Right, right, and And I think there's a sort of like spammy way to do this where if you're just harvesting numbers and sending unsolicited texts, uh, probably mm -hmm. not the way to go. But so I've seen this with creators. I don't know if you've ever seen like big YouTubers do this, maybe Twitch streamers, um, but they'll be like, I, like, I hate to say this, but I think I saw it like on a Jake Paul thing, right? Um, Here we go. Right. I swear to God, like I'm not a, a well, what do you, I don't even know what you call him, a Pauler. Um, well, it's good talking to you today. Right. Uh, talk to you later. No, no, no. This is, this, it's for research, I swear. Um, so Jake Paul does this thing where he puts it in his bio and it's like, 
dumb and it maybe works because his audience is like, I don't know, teenagers, but it's like, text me on board, right? And just his phone number. And it's for sure just a marketing play to get people's phone numbers so he can start texting to them, right? And he's oh not the only one that's... gosh. Yeah. He's not the only one that's done this. I've seen a few other people do this. Uh, yeah, where I've seen that too. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, text me this thing. Um, and it's just another marketing channel. So I think there is it is picking up steam and it's a bit of like uncharted territory. So here's the idea. This is the context, but but this is the actual idea. I think that there's an opportunity to create like the Substack for texting or SMS. Um, and, and you could probably apply this to like just SMS or WhatsApp or Telegram, like all of these other like one-to-one typical messaging platforms. Um, so either that means that you're doing it like you're creating a paywall, which is kind of like Substack's thing. You don't have to have a paywall uh-huh. on Substack, but like a paywall texting uh, uh, sort of service where we'll send you like a daily text um, or just making the process easier, right? Uh, to be honest, I don't know what it looks like to sort of like manage mass texting at scale. There's like um, Twilio and other companies that sort of yeah, do this. I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I did some, I did consulting for a startup. Uh, they were a healthcare startup and we actually did like a mass SMS integration with or build out on Twilio, whatever you kind of want to call it. But that was extremely effective. So right. I think this is really interesting where you're going with this, but I just know that like if we couldn't get a hold of someone, as soon as we're able to figure out like fit this demographic of people who do this thing, send them a text, like we were able to like, there was a certain, I don't want to give away kind of like, I don't want to give away sure. details as like what they did, but they like their problem was just, you know, getting people to show up to things and it was like, boom, boom, they're there, which was right. really interesting because it got people to also take action. So I, I'm interested to hear like a little bit more about like when you say Substack, like are you thinking publication or distribution of content or like who do you think would actually want to use something like this? Um, that's a really good question. If I think about who the early adopters are, um, it, it I'm, I am actually just, just sort of riffing here. My and assumption Paul, is that it's – We'll put him down. Jake Paul's an early adopter. Um, it is interesting to look at people who are already doing this stuff, but like clearly like don't reach out to Jake Paul. Like it would be a dumb idea. You're not going to right? like, like he probably is not going to be the, the person um, or his team even. Right. But if I'm thinking about this, um, I think it depends on what you decide to build. So maybe I'll start there. So your question is like, you say Substack. That's interesting. When I say sub Substack, I just think of like a turnkey solution for distributing text at scale um maybe that's already been done so maybe the interesting piece is like the paywall right we now allow Mm. you to like have people who subscribe and uh we facilitate that sort of interaction the 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 person who wants that i think are two different people which is why i think it matters like on what sort of avenue you run down um for me Uh, Like I could potentially be an early adopter of this because I was sort of looking at it as like, you know, this is an interesting experiment. I do think it's people who are already producing content. Um, I think newsletter creators are an interesting one because they're already doing it in like a written form. Um, I think people who are super engaged on Slack or uh, not Slack, uh, Twitter might be the best 
because what they're doing is they're not doing long form content. They're doing short form content and they're already producing it uh, for followers. Right. And this is just feels okay. like the next touch point. It's like, Oh, you could literally just convert your text into tweets and send it to me via text. Um, even that's interesting, right? Like that could be, maybe it's not Substack for texting. Maybe it's, um, tweet to text. Uh, there's certain people that I would love that, like just sort of getting a notification every time they tweet. Um, difference is that like, you know, Twitter does this, right? You just get a notification. You can follow people, obviously. Um, but I think it's, it's like looking at this market as a new opportunity for creators and making it easier for them to put content on there and distribute it. Hmm. That's like okay. the, 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 the core concept. I think there's a lot of like sub parts of this that you could just build out and start with. Um, but that would be the, uh, that would be the work of you as an entrepreneur. It's like, find out what the biggest problem is with doing something like this. Um, and then just build that, like build the MVP is like this, just this one feature. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm also looking this other thing up. I swear I've seen this before for someone else big. I think it was Gary V. Doesn't Gary V do something? I think I saw texting? Gary V. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what. The, uh, oh, I, found, I actually found it. Here it is. It's called Wine Text. WineText.com. Yep. What is this? I'm pulling up their website. Upcoming wine text deals. So that's what that's what he's doing. Is he's instead of doing email marketing, he's texting people yep. about. I'm guessing just about like here's some cool wine on a coupon. Yep. I think it's interesting to. I mean, for an e-commerce play on that. Um, as well as it mean other than just kind of like the distri- distribution of content. Cause I mean, when I get that stuff in my email, I immediately like junk it or delete it. So, and I think, so let's talk about why this is hard, right? Right. Let's like flip yeah. the coin and like, I've gotten all of the like, Oh, I love this idea out of me. And now let's talk about why this probably couldn't work. Right. So that's number one is I think that there's still a cultural, at least in the U S right. And out of country, like, I don't know how they feel, but for me in the U S I think that the SMS is like the one sacred place. Like I don't need you blowing up my, my, uh, text messages. Yeah. Just wait, you know, they always say as soon as marketers figure out how to ruin it, they will. And it's like, it's only a time before, I mean, that's kind of how I'm thinking about this too, is (laughs) it's only a time before. Yeah. Go on. So that's one thing, right? Is that like people probably don't want like promotional shit in their text. Uh, or they're sort of like, yeah, text messages. Um, the next thing is that like SMS isn't new, right? Um, this has been around for what, 20 years now, maybe not quite that long, uh, uh, 15 years. If this was an obvious play, this like probably would have been done by now, right? Like I, I hate using that as an excuse because it feels kind of like a cop out, like well, somebody else would have done this. Um, but for this one, for sure, right? It's like such a clear marketing channel um, that it hasn't worked in the past. So like, Will it work now? Uh, I think what's interesting about timing is that the like creator economy has never been better. So there's more newsletters than there's ever been, and there's more people producing content that I think is interesting. Um, that we might be seeing a shift in like uh, an acceptance towards like opt-in text messaging to a person, which is the, the sure. maybe the last thing I'll bring up is like you need to figure out a way to make it super valuable, and for me to not want to be like dude, get out of my phone. Like, I don't need you blowing up my texts. Um, so whatever you create needs to be like a high retention piece of content that doesn't get people to just dip. Um, sure. So think, for those reasons, I think it gets hard. So 
and again, I haven't put too much thought into this because we're just talking about it. I think what's what's a little interesting to me is like for the opt-in thing, especially around the content creation, is getting people to read your content's really hard. And the one thing that people carry around with them everywhere they go is their phone. Right. And on top of that, like let's just say like um like with your newsletter, for example, you send one edition a week. And if I want to keep some additions, I have to create a whole new folder inside of my email inbox or whatever that is and then keep it. Or I have to have like a Notion page on all these blog articles to make sure that I keep them so I can reference them later. What's really interesting to me about the the text message play is it's all in one spot there every single time. So right. if I sign up for something and it's 10 editions, I can go back just by scrolling up to go look at those 10 editions. Like it's very low maintenance for me or you know to to make sure that i have everything right there especially Mm -hmm. if i understand and find value in it i think that's a really big pro for um like for me even as a reader but i think having a centralized location from a creator i think there's a lot of value in that too yeah Um, i think the the tricky part just comes down to cadence right if i'm getting something every day i mean some things may uh may warrant something like that but um, I think that's going to be the really sticky, like for creators in, in terms of like making that decision of how often do I push these out? I think right. there's a lot of other new territory decisions that have to be made. And I don't think they're easy, easy decisions to make either. Yeah. Well, and as you were saying that too, uh, I don't, and maybe you would know because you've sort of worked with a company that did this. Is it, is it really expensive to send text at scale? Um, I don't remember what pricing was to be honest, but I do remember that it wasn't super easy to set up and to get and sure. to kind of like get all that figured out. So from a like bootstrapping perspective, soup like was pretty difficult. Like it, you know, yeah. like engineers had to be involved, but you know, maybe there's something like there's this big like no code movement that's going on, which I'm really passionate about. But I think like what's a easy bootstrap um, example of that? That's just like underlying small functionality of you know setting up and sending mass texts for creators i I think there's a lot of value in that of just like what's an easier solution than going through twilio i don't know if there's anything else out there though i don't either and i guess maybe where i was going is like you might be right that just the setting up the infrastructure might be expensive if you want to do it like on your own but and i might be totally off here I just thought like sending a text message was expensive from regardless of the infrastructure, right? It was like five cents mm-hmm. a message or something or 10 cents a, cents a message. It doesn't scale as nicely as email. I don't know if that's true though. Um, let me, I'm, I'm trying to look at the pricing on, I'm okay. I'm, I think I'm off. Uh, programmable SMS starting at like one, one thousandth of a penny. So I'm I, looking at the same article you. Yeah. So I don't think I'm quite on with that. Um, yeah, and they do it for WhatsApp and things like that. So like, in, 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 I'm a huge fan of just using out of the box solutions, right? Like maybe you build on the back of Twilio and you just do one thing that Twilio doesn't, which is like the paywall piece or something. Um, sure. Like you don't need to build off someone's product to offer your own thing. I mean, thousands and thousands of companies like with intercom, people build apps for intercom all the time. I think it's kind of that same stretch along there where you build an app that's built on Twilio that right. you know, sells to its own customer base that aren't Twilio customers, maybe. Yeah. So here's my here's my last thought on this, is that as we were talking about this, this is my last pro as like a 
we are seeing a shift. I think that traditionally email marketing had been used for like e-commerce promotion. I mean, it was like email marketing. It's what it was. It was like, we're going to just sort of send you things that aren't necessarily like spammy or low value, but it was meant to sort of get you to buy more stuff. Um, and now lately we've seen a shift towards like email newsletters being more value driven than promotional, right? Where we're trying to get like transactional, we're trying to buy, get you to buy yeah. stuff, right? That's an interesting, um, I mean, that's really interesting. Value driven text messages, right? Exactly. That That's the shift, right? Because like I get text messages every once in a while from companies that are um, just like, hey, here's 15% off whatever. Um, and maybe the evolution of how this all works, right? This is the thesis is that you go from like pure promotion and it starts becoming more value driven as you realize that like we've tapped out people on the promotional stuff. It just pisses them off. Um, but there is still a desire to get like good content that's worth reading in my sort of mm -hmm. text messaging mm -hmm. box. So, um, yeah, there's a right yeah. way and wrong way to do this. And it's, it'll be interesting to see the companies, like all the companies that adopt this and then do it wrong. <laughs> I mean, right. people are pretty private about their text or, you know, who's showing up in their messages too. So I definitely see a lot of like pitchforks around this, um, around this concept too, of companies that do it incorrectly. Yeah. Cool. We're at about 50 minutes. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to want to cut it off here and then save the next ideas for the, for the next one? Uh, yeah, I, I think that actually sounds like a, this is probably a really good stopping point i mean i liked all the ideas today too i did too i thought they were good um yeah next time you can do two or and i think the next thing i want to do too is i want to go a little bit more rapid fire um because i'd love to get through like four to five uh Interesting. but let's okay. let's see well I'll, I'll get some feedback right like let's see who who the people who are listening to this if they like the deeper analysis or if they're like we get the gist of it next one let's just keep let's move on let's keep mm -hmm. rolling um but i love that i think this was a really good first episode and i like genuinely appreciate you hopping on with me and yeah. BSing with i'll me. send you an invoice i'll send you an invoice right 50 well 50 <laughs> minutes it's not an hour so don't you dare try to send your hourly minimum. wait oh all right well you got me um cool man uh yeah well we'll wrap it up here okay hey good talking to you guys Later. Cool. Later.